Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Or perhaps you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or on our website archives. Uh, The show is available in lots of different places. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. Eric, what happened? Like, all of a sudden, is it summer? (laughs) Not quite there, but uh, it's feeling very nice today, isn't it? Warm, and I just think to myself, what a fine day to take your dog for a walk. Good point. Yeah. As is every day. Um, get out with your dog. Even stand there for a little bit and let your dog sniff where they are. A lot of times, and I I do this too. I try not to, but, you know, I am also human. But, you know, like uh, the impatience. Come on, let's go. It's like <laughs> just moving is not necessarily the whole point of the walk. Right. So even, you know, if your dog is into something good, Give him or her a few minutes and just let them get that information and process and get a different form of stimulation aside from the physical. So happy spring. It feels so lovely today. And today is a special day. Uh, It's May 3rd, and it is the three-year anniversary of when Darcy and I picked up Lois, our old dog haven Final Refuge Dog. Old Dog Haven is a wonderful local organization, uh, nationally recognized for their work uh, placing old dogs from a rescue situation to a forever home. Congratulations, because um, Lois is a, a very sweet dog, and uh, I know she's uh, been a great uh well, I'm not sure contributor is the right word, but <laughs> definitely put a, a, a smile on your face many, many times over these last three years. Oh, she's a contributor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me. Uh, yeah, you know, and they, uh, she was, you know, I don't do this. I'm not like that person who like sees a photo of a dog on Facebook, which is what happened. And I, and like, I, we need to go get that dog. Like, that's never happened to me before. I'm not the kind of person that's, like, always just you trying to... You felt a connection immediately. I don't... I just saw her fi- photo and was just, like, I don't... You know? And then got in touch with Old Dog Haven and ended up a few days later, you know, going and picking her up, which was three years ago today. She was... We were told that she was likely a hospice dog, which meant that she probably didn't have more than a few months... Uh, you know, months left, and here we are three years later. I think Lois was, uh, I don't know, we were feeding her natural pet pantry cooked stew, and she was like 30 pounds overweight, so she lost a ton of weight. I'm sure that helped her feel better. She's got a compromised airway and all sorts of interesting things going on with her, but that girl has hung on, and uh, she's slowing down quite a bit now, and we can... Uh, it seems more so than, you know, you kind of get to know a dog and then she settles in and then she's kind of cruising along. And then she's she's definitely the past few months have been a little hard on her. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk with Polly Klein today, who's with me in the booth, which is always a treat. Polly is with Tonglin 
healing arts for animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Polly is an animal communicator. And you also do. So is that uh, in sort of capturing the whole of who you are and what you do professionally? No, um, it's probably what I'm best known for. But okay. I'm also a Reiki master, Reiki practitioner, which is a, a healing form of uh, energy work. Mm-hmm. And I also am a animal cranial sacral therapist. Excellent. And your website is? www.tonglenhealingarts.com. And what is Tonglen? Tonglen is a Buddhist breathing meditation. Mm. And um, when uh, I was trying to name my business, um, just at that point, I heard a interview with Pima Chodron, who's a Tibetan Buddhist nun, and Alice Walker, who wrote The Color Purple. Mm. And they were talking about this concept. And so um, Alice had said that she used the, uh, Tonglen when she was very depressed. Mm. And uh, Pima started describing what Tonglen was, which she said, the, the big meditation is that we recognize that all sentient beings suffer. If you are alive, there is suffering. And so the thought is on your in-breath to connect with all of the suffering and then on your out-breath to think about the freeing or the liberation from the suffering of all sentient beings, but that you can use this for yourself, and she calls that more of like the small version, and then as you release more of your own pain and suffering, you can take on more for others. And the reason that that spoke to me is because I had thought uh, at Oh, shortly before then, I had a, a Great Dane, and when the Great Dane knew I was having a tough day, she'd lean against me, and she'd just do this big sigh, and I'd sort of breathe with her. And that idea of that connecting mm. and then letting go, mm-hmm. I just loved it. So that's where I got the name. There's something about breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, breathing and breath, and I'm um, starting tomorrow, actually, going and committing to bringing meditation into my life as a practice day in and day out because I'm one of those people who goes, 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 goes like many others. Mm-hmm. It's also my, nat- my, uh, and it's easy for me to do that. Yeah. Take on a lot. Go, go, go. I love, like there's so much that I want to do. I feel like I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do, blah, blah, blah. But then I do end up getting myself burnt out sometimes. So kind of bringing in that, uh, creating space to be receptive and paying attention to breath and all that excellent stuff. So I love that. So we had a session with Lois, and we're going to actually, in just a few minutes, we'll play actually parts of this because, so we've been on the air for 420-something shows now, eight, nine years, eight years, I think. Mm -hmm. And one of, I've had a Reiki master, um, uh, a couple actually, um, and, and probably some people who, may identify as animal communicator, but I've actually never had an animal communicator on the show for animal communication. Okay. And it's been one of the uh, professions that I've had the most, um, I've been reached out to the most animal communicators wanting to be on the show. And, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is like this whole, uh, you know, I believe yet there's this other part of our brain our culture list you know blah 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 that also has us question 
you know, uh, what you know, and you, know, I'm sure you're no stranger to this. Um, as someone who does animal communication and would say I'm an animal communicator, and then you probably get a whole variety of responses from people, <laughs> right? Yes. And it's interesting, um, you know, and I've witnessed this in my own life too, like around death or if I, you know, feel the presence of a loved one who's passed and then, and I'm like fully in it. Yep. That was, I just totally got visited by Nana, for example, mm-hmm. that had to, I mean, I, you know, that's how I felt, blah, blah, blah. And then there's like, well, is my brain just making that up? Am I just, blah, blah, blah. and there's, so there's a sort of natural curiosity and, and, um, skepticism at the same time skepticism and i think maybe part of it's natural and then i think a lot of it is cultural but what do you like uh i'm just curious about your thoughts on that because you you live it so um i do and uh, i often think of myself as being openly skeptical meaning that i like to be i like to think of myself as being willing to um be open to things that i'm not familiar with but that what I consider that healthy sense of skepticism, we need that critical eye. And so um, when I think about, you know, trying to discuss this with somebody, you know, what do I do? And initially when I started doing this, I definitely had grand fears when people said, what do you do? And I'm like, I have an animal healing practice. And it either went kind of right over their head or they asked questions, but I kind of didn't want to get into the animal communication because or to speak out loud about it, um, because I don't come from this world. I mean, my dad's a, a doctor. Um, my, you know, training before this is n- nothing woo-woo. And um, even I, if I write down what I do for a living and s- say it out loud, there are times that I'm like, really? Seriously? So anybody having a question about what I do doesn't phase me at all anymore. Um the reason that I can feel as confident talking now is I've had so many experiences that I cannot explain any other way. Mm-hmm. And after you've had enough of those, you go, okay, you know what? I might not be able to tell you exactly why this works, but I can tell you something is happening here. Mm-hmm. And with that, though, I don't discount all the other ways we get information. It's not, you know... You're, when you're looking at body language, when you're looking at, you know, gait to assess, oh, you know, well, maybe they're having some problem in their rear leg because, look, they're lifting up that paw. Sure. I mean, all of that is all part of the picture. I just like to think, ah, there's a little more information that we can also get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like another angle to come from. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the thing, I think I've talked about this before on the show, and I've certainly, um, I just just finished, like, last weekend, I think really actually finished writing my first book. Oh, yeah, I saw. I've been five years in the making, and it's been quite a process. But I talk a lot about this, and um, I talk about a lot of things in the book. But um, one of the main themes is sort of working with dogs and what we can learn about ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, how we can, what dogs can teach us about um, personal power, leadership, these, these ideas, our relationship with our bodies uh, through nonverbal communication, but really bringing in and, and acknowledging this imbalance of masculine and feminine value in our culture and bringing those into balance in, 
any situation, right? Um, as as individuals, as we express ourselves, blah blah blah, right? It's this whole like woo woo. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of resist that whole thing anyway. Like woo woo. It's like when you say woo woo, that means that sort of everybody knows what that means, right? Yeah, and right. it's sort of it's like a not to be. It's 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 alternative. It's a little out there. Maybe uh, not really to be taken seriously. Certainly mm-hmm. not valued as much as more linear, analytical. You know, science. I'm a science major. I love science. I've interviewed a ton of scientists. I'm pro science. Yeah. But it's about that balance and really looking at if if you have a behavioral challenge with an animal, for example. Okay, like let's look at it from from this and from this and look at this and look at this and and use all the tools that we have to to develop a solution. Right. So this whole woo woo thing is kind of like uh, I resist. I kind of resist that because it's like discounting and it's. I think it's a powerful thing and intuition. And I'm curious to know what was your process like? How did you realize that you could do this? So um, just to follow up on one thing that you just said. that that feeling that people have about woo is very much why I refer to myself as an animal communicator and not a pet psychic. Because there's, I don't know, almost like a carnival feeling that comes with them going to the pet psychic. Oh, yeah. You know? Crystal ball. Exactly. And, a- and I don't feel like I'm psychic. I feel like when I am communicating with an animal, I am though I'm not speaking audibly the way I'm speaking to you, I'm having a conversation with them the same way I'm having a conversation with you. So I don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I can't, I'm not clairvoyant. I'm not, there are things that I associate with the term psychic that I'm like, eh, that's not. You wouldn't even have to have a conversation. You would just know. Right. If you were psychic. Right. Um, But in terms of, okay, so how did I come to this? First of all, I was not, you know, the embodiment of Snow White with my hands up and the birds come up to me and I, they're all chirping and all of that. That was not me. Um, I grew up, you know, my first dog was a, you know, a little Shih Tzu. And I always felt like I knew her emotional state. But I don't know that that makes me any different than anybody else that lives with their animal and loves their animal. I will tell you that, it, and certainly this has changed a lot over time, but, you know, I'm 50. When I was growing up, I was very clearly told, you know, if you're saying that your animal has an emotion, you're putting your human emotions on that animal. And so I think I started, I wouldn't say discounting it, but more not listening, you know, and shutting down. Um, And I, I, you know, went off to school, studied psych and you know, did other things in life and um, was uh, running a nonprofit doing counseling with families whose children had cancer. And the board of directors drove me nuts. And I said, I am fleeing. I love the families, but I just couldn't work with the board anymore. And I'll do anything with animals, even if it's an animal organization making photocopies. I don't care. I'm just need to do something different. So I went to work for um, this. Well, now it's called Pet Partners, but it was Delta Society, which um, is an international organization. And what they're probably most known for is their Pet Partners program that helps people train and certify their animals to do therapy work visiting in hospitals and nursing homes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there was a a woman there who had this amazing story about taking her 
um, dog to an animal communicator. And it was one of those like, wow stories. Like nobody could have known this, you know? And so I was really blown away by this. But my next thought was, but if I went to an animal communicator, my dogs would say her house is a mess and she tells us to shut up all the time. (laughs) So it's like, I mean, it didn't even occur to me anything more than that. But um, there was, uh, there's a very well-known animal communicator who probably brought a lot of this sort of to the forefront, Penelope Smith. Mm -hmm. And um, she's written numerous books. And she was giving a a talk at one of our local uh, bookstores, East West Bookstore. And I decided I would go. And, um, and I, I honestly, I, I'm not sure whether you're familiar with this, but I, um, I also have a auditory processing disorder. And so I have trouble uh, hearing when there's competing noise. So I often have a service dog with me that alerts to emergency sounds and cars coming up behind me and things like that. So at that time, the um, service dog that I had was this Australian shepherd named Zoe. And she was Im- impeccably well-behaved and trained. And when I went to Penelope's talk, she mentioned that there was uh, one of her students who was going to be giving an animal communication class that weekend, and there was one space open. And Zoe, my dog, got up and dragged me across the auditorium to that woman. And I was like, that is weird, because, like, number one, that's just, like, not Zoe's behavior. And this is, like, kind of a step too far even for me, like, you know. But nevertheless, you know, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go. And... um. After that weekend, I had, and may I say that I even cringe saying this because when people say things like this, I'm like, really? <laughs> um, a life-changing experience mm-hmm. <laughs> where I was getting information from animals that I did not know. Mm. So, and, and it was being confirmed. And I thought, how is that even possible? Mm. You know, um, and I had a very dear friend who was a veterinarian and I the following week took her out to lunch and I said, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. But I, I told her about this class and she said, oh, I don't think you're crazy. As a matter of fact, when I'm doing surgery, I will often talk to them if they're bleeding and I'll say, help me slow the bleeding down here. And I know that it's some way that I'm communicating and I'm not necessarily feeling like I'm getting words back, but I know that there's other ways of communicating. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bless her. She let me come into her practice and play, and I played for a while and developed my skills, and I took some other classes, and um, I never looked back. Mm. So that was one of the questions that I had was because um, we've I we had a session with Lois, and we'll play um, some of that in today's show. But so I was with her, and I've been with some other dogs with Telly too. We had you talk with Telly. Mm-hmm. And uh, some clients as well. And it's so I'm there's the dog and does they're not acting like they're being talked to. Right. Right. So. What's you know how I know I think my understanding is that animal communicators work in different ways. So that phenomenon sort of happens in it's not the same for everybody. Um, So. Why does the dog not look like they're being communicated with? Where they're not like, oh, you know, right? Or somebody's talk, you know, right? And then also like how, um, I guess, um, how in a nutshell would you say that 
that works for you because mm-hmm. it's not verbal. Mm-hmm. It's not body language. You're remote even. So how are you receiving the information? Or Okay. So first of all, um, let me just sort of tell you my definition of how I explain animal communication. So I consider animal communication another form of energy work. And energy is not limited by proximity. So when I'm working with a client in my office or at a distance, the way that I'm connecting with them is not any different. Um, but uh, it's, it has more to do with who I'm putting my intention on. So in your case, because I didn't know your dogs, I'm asking you to send me a picture so I have a, vis- a visual picture of who am I trying to connect with. But you know, if you were my next-door neighbor and I just knew Lois... I wouldn't need a picture because I'd know who I'm trying to, mm-hmm. to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, it is, and if you said, oh, well, we have, you know, uh, a female Weimaraner that lives here, I'd go, that's nice, but I don't know who it is. Right. Right. Um, but the same way you can be doing other things and still having a conversation, they can be moving around and doing other things and still hearing me. Uh, so there are definitely clients that... Um, I mean, there are definitely animals that will come and sit and look right at me. There are people that when I'm working with them on the phone will say, you know, my dog was totally calm the whole time. And then I knew the second your session was over, it got up. But I don't really think about any of that. I just think about I'm just trying to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I, so I teach animal communication as well because I know everybody has the ability to do this. This is not something that just some people do. And not only that, if you live with an animal, you are doing it, mm-hmm. you know, you're so um, it's a two-day class, and in the first day, we do not work with animals that are physically present. And generally speaking, people get a lot, it, they find it much easier. And then the animals show up the next day, you know, f- physical, not working through images, and everybody gets distracted because now the animal is walking around and not looking at them and not doing this. And, not, and I'm going, hey, you know what? That dog or cat or whoever... They might have been doing all the same things yesterday when you were trying to communicate with them, but you weren't distracted by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really you know, the best way I can describe that. Mm-hmm. And and you have a class coming up? I do. I have a, a class coming up May 20th and 21st. May 20th and 21st. And yes. how would people connect with that if they were interested? So um, they can get information through my website. Mm-hmm. Um, they can find me on Facebook, both for my business, Tonglen Healing Arts, um, and also Polly Klein. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, I'm basically, if you Google Polly and Issaquah, you will find me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So um, have you had a dog not want to talk to you? Well, first of all, professionally. um, Professionally. Professionally, I would say not really. Um, And and there's a reason for this. So uh, I think I'd rather start with why an animal might not want to talk to you. Okay. So first is if that animal is used to interacting with people and that the people think of that animal and treat that animal much more as an object rather than interacting with them as an individual. So what I mean by this is I live um, on a, in a rural area, there's coyotes all over the place. And 
oftentimes when I'm trying to connect with the coyotes, it takes a while to be able to connect with them, not because they're wild animals, but because most of the people around me think of them as the coyotes, you know, and so they're not really linking back in as quickly to going, oh, wait, you're actually seeing me and you're trying to talk to me. Um, And so in cases like that, I can still communicate, but sometimes I have to say, hey, you know what? I see you. I see you just moved your leg. I see you just moved your ear. And after a little while, they're like, oh, you're seeing me. And so that's not a problem. Um, Sometimes if an animal is really traumatized and scared, if you're working with an animal in a shelter and it's really, really scared, it might feel like, oh, this animal doesn't want to talk to me. But what I'd say is, oh, it's scared and it's protecting itself and it's kind of shut down. But it's the same thing. If you build the trust, that's not a problem. Um, but the reason I say professionally not really is because there's a select group of people that are going to bring their animals to an animal communicator and pay for something like that. Right. And those people are already engaging with their animals in a way where they're used to thinking, oh, yeah, somebody's thinking about me and, ta- you know, knows They're me. sensitive enough already to right. their animal that they're interested in, you know, what you might bring to the table. Right. Or, yeah. You know, they're... Uh, the one time that I had an experience, which, and it took me a little while to realize this, and it, it wasn't specifically with a dog, but um, uh, I was at an event, and there were the uh, Anheuser-Busch Clydesdales, and I'm, you know, I'm an animal person. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go try to talk to one of the Clydesdales, and I could not get through, and I thought, that's weird, and then my ego started getting in there with like, hey, you know what? I do this for a living. Why can't I talk to this horse? And it occurred to me, thousands of people go past these horses all the time. If they were open to people coming, you know, strangers walking by, it would have to be overwhelming. I bet they don't tune out the people that actually handle them. Mm-hmm. But it, it wouldn't even make sense for them to be willing to be open when there's just thousands of people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to state fairs before. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're exactly. just like, Ooh. Huh. All right. Well, let's um, let's take a break and we're going to come back and play some of Polly's session with Lois. Uh, when we come back from break, we're talking with Polly Klein of Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals. The website is tonglenhealingarts.com. T-O-N-G-L-E-N healingarts.com. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Doing it again. Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country. But if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. 
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, May 7th, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check on Missy's Pet Rescue and meet the new executive director for Homeward Pet Adoption Center. We'll chat with the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga and another follow-up with our horse activists. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Coming next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. It takes two to tango, right? No, says marriage and family therapist Winifred Riley. It takes one to tango. She'll share how she rescued her marriage with almost no help from her spouse and how you can too. Join us every Monday at noon Pacific time and Fridays at 6 a.m. And connect with Vicki on Twitter. She's at Vicki St. Clair. And catch up on podcasts at conversationslive.net. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You don't know what it's like to listen to your fears. You can talk. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we're back talking with Polly Klein of Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals. You can find her online at tonglenhealingarts.com, T-O-N-G-L-E-N, healingarts.com. She has a class coming up in May. If you're interested in taking an animal communication class, you can find that information on her website. You can also find her on Facebook through her business name, and she also lets us know that if you search Polly Issaquah, you will find her. How do you spell your last name? Klein, K-L-E-I-N. Okay, great. So today is the three-year anniversary of when we brought Lois home, our Old Dog Haven Final Refuge dog. Uh, Old Dog Haven is a wonderful organization. We've had them on the show a number of times over the years. You can find those archived uh, online iTunes, SoundCloud, and our website, dogradioshow.com. There's over 425 episodes now archived. Polly is an animal communicator, Reiki master, and uh, craniosacral practitioner for animals. Mm-hmm. And we had a session with Lois uh, last week. And um, as you do with your clients, you have an audio recording of the session for them to have. And so I wanted to play um, play some of this because it's one thing to have a conversation. And I really connected to your work when I heard your the audio from Doug. Mm-hmm. 
um, who's a friend of ours, um, dog, who had a session with Polly. And that really, hearing your that session and, and you sort of reading back the conversation that you had had with the animal was really where I connected to the work. And so I wanted to play some of that for our listeners. So this is a session from last week uh, where Polly was talking to Lois, and this is just at the very beginning as she's starting. So, Eric, would you play that? When I say I'm Polly, and I said your mom, and in the course of this conversation, there are times that I'm trying to distinguish you specifically or you and Darcy or just Darcy. So for the purpose of describing it back, I'm going to refer to you as mom Julie and she's mom Darcy. And every time I say either of your names, um, I'm, since I know what you look like, I'm just showing a mental image of who, you know, whichever one of you it is. So I said, um, your mom, Julie sent me to talk with you. She tells me what to say to you. And then I tell her what you say so she can understand you better and help you. And I asked if it was okay to talk with her. Um, she didn't know me and she was very worried. And I said, I'm very safe and your mom, Julie, she's controlling me. She tells me what to say to you. And she said, she controls you. I said, yes. And again, I just let her know I'm very safe. I just talk like this and that, uh, mom, Julie is making the words that I'm saying to you uh, so that she can understand you better. And I actually think that for her, that that was more helpful to think, not just you know, the basically I was kind of, you were sending me to be a tool for her so that you could understand her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she understood that. And that at that point she was much more willing and free and talking with me. And I said, um, mom, Julie wants you to know that both your moms and then I'm showing both your faces love you so very much and are committed to you for life. That means you will always live with them and they will always take care of you. She said, no more new people in homes. I said, that's right. You are always with your moms in this territory. And she just loved hearing that. She said she's still been worried when she's leaving um, and she wants to stay there always. I said, you will always stay with your moms. And I said, that's part of why they sent me to make sure that you understood that this is your forever home and they both love you and they both want to protect you and help you feel strong and well in your body for your entire life. And she said she understands that and she loves her moms. And I said, your mom see that. And I show her back legs and her hind ends getting progressively weaker and weaker. I said, do you know what I mean? She said, yes. I said, your mom's give you, got you special shoes for your feet to make it easier for you. And I show walking around. Um, I said, do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I show these shoes? Um, she said, yes. And I said, what do you think of them? Do they help you feel better or do they hurt your feet? She said at first she felt a little trapped in the shoes. She didn't understand why they were on her feet, but once she got used to them, she definitely recognizes that she feels more stable. Um, before she was very worried about her hind end slipping out from under her and she doesn't feel that way in the shoes. She said they, so in that sense, they definitely both physically make her feel better, but um, also emotionally are making her feel less vulnerable, which really helps. Um, And she said they also help uh, make the pain less in her body because before the shoes, she felt like she had to brace a lot when she was moving. And now she feels like because the shoes are giving her traction, she doesn't have to hold herself like that. Okay, Eric, that's great. We'll just pause there for a second and uh, 
and check in with Polly here, and I've got a couple questions for you. Mm-hmm. So we're playing uh, the audio from a session that we had with Lois, that you had with Lois last week. And um, so is are you, when you're reading your notes back, correct? Yes. So when you're, so what happens is that we got on the phone, we kind of got settled in, Polly and I, and then you are then having your session with Lois and I'm not hearing and you're like, we're not talking during the thing. So then you're gone for a while. You're talking with the animal and then you come back afterwards and you read back your notes from the session. And so that's what we're listening to right now. Right. Are you hearing how, what is that translation? Because it, I'm assuming you're not like, hi Lois, I, like energetically mm-hmm. how, how you're connecting with her. You're not connecting with words, correct? Well, it's certainly not specific language because I work with clients all over the world that have never heard English and we've seen changes in behavior. Mm. So if it were about those words in the language, it that wouldn't make any sense. You wouldn't get a change in behavior. They wouldn't understand what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So um, I describe this as I am interpreting the energy that I am getting from the animal on, in different ways, body sensations, emotions, pictures, and dialogue. And it's that combination of how I interpret it that I then translate back into words. So it's not that I specifically hear a voice. It's more like as I'm doing this, I'm like, ah, oh, she's showing me this emotion and she's showing me this image. And, th- and all of that together is how I put it together in a conversation that's a dialogue. How do you communicate to her? So... Um, the first thing I do is I, uh, move into what I call a soft focus mode, which, um, I, I, just to distinguish that from hard focus. So a hard focus is, you know, you're physically watching, you're watching gate, I like all of the lab tests that are done, all these sort of very concrete things that we can all observe. And the soft focus mode is, it's really more of a meditative state. That's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. From there, I put my intention on her by you know, looking at her picture or pulling up my feelings of who she is from if I know her. And then a lot of what I am doing is not just thinking about the words, but also creating mental images. Um, if I'm asking about emotions, like, oh, does this make you happy? I have to be able to understand how to oh, this is what I feel when I feel happy. Do you feel this when I show you this picture? So, you know, I'm using lots of different ways to try to convey information. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that you've said is showing. Yes. That's because a lot of what I do is working with mental images. So I am really thinking about, I'm trying to share and show you this mental image. Mm -hmm. And but all of that is merely a way of conveying the information that's being sent to them through this exchange of energy. Mm-hmm. And they're making sense of it the best way they can. Um, and so, you know, part of how I've gotten, you know, over the years developed my skills is it's you're always interpreting this information. And it's, do I understand what I am getting? Um, if I get something that doesn't make a lot of sense, I want to go back and ask, huh, you know what? I think you said this, or I think you showed me a picture of this, or I think you said this feeling, or 
you're showing me pain, but you're showing me pain in a part of my body that I have pain. So I need to know, is that you or is that me? Mm-hmm. So uh, some of that is not necessarily articulated while I'm reading you back the conversation, mm-hmm. but I'm constantly going back and forth like that um, over the course of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But yes, I use the term showing because I do a lot with mental imagery. And it's not that I think our animals actually don't understand a lot of what we say verbally. Mm -hmm. But I also know that when I tell my dog to sit, I'm also thinking sit at the same time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think they get it both ways. But also I know for me, if I were to speak out loud, I mean, right now I'm very focused on you. But there are times that I'm talking with people that I'm distracted by other things. Just, oh, there's a noise somewhere else or, you know, oh, gosh, I still have to make dinner and I never thought about the shopping list. And just some, it may not be anything of importance. Or it may be that I'm looking at you and you remind me of something else that's got a big emotional hit to me, mm. right? So when I have to create a mental image, it takes more of my uh, focus And that makes me less distracted by other things. Mm -hmm. So that's why I tend to think of things in images. um, And and that's why I say show. Mm -hmm. I asked Polly to ask Lois um, a bit about her past and um, why she gets so upset, why she used to. She's a lot better now. And actually, I was out of town last weekend and she didn't act out at all hmm. and she's gotten progressively better um over time but this was a no there was no not one incident so that's Great. interesting right yeah so one of the things that we and I think I mentioned this just a few minutes ago in this interview but that Lois when I would leave town mm-hmm. Lois definitely attached to me Mm -hmm. um, more primarily than Darcy. And when she first came to us, she was actually a bit possessive of me. Um, Anxious, you know, and and, uh, made a lot of progress with her over the years. But what would really set her off and have her be really difficult to live with for Darcy was that when I would leave town, she would really get whacked out. Right. And she wouldn't want to leave the side of the bed, wouldn't. And then Darcy would be like, come on, you know, trying to get her to, to get up, come have breakfast and go to the bathroom and just, you know, kind of get up. And she wouldn't leave my side of the bed. And she would ag- aggressively let Darcy know, like, don't try to move me because it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> um, and we have, like I said, made a ton of progress with her. Um, Canna Companion has helped her so much in general. Uh, I talked with them on the show um, recently. I played that episode recently. You can look that up in the archives, a CBD, uh, how that can help dogs, animals. Um, but I just got the sense it was interesting because she doesn't have like separation anxiety like you typically see it with dogs where mm-hmm. like you leave and they're like, ah, you're gone, ah, you know, and then they're anxious when you're gone. She's like, she, she'll go to the doorway that I left out of and just wait, but she's just waiting. right. The morning that she wakes up and I'm not out of bed yet and she's trying to be moved away from the bed and I'm not out of bed yet. And I, th- I do think she's has maybe a little bit of dementia going on also, but it's regardless, that feels like a trigger. Right. So 
seemed to me like there was a reason for that, where she had some sort of association of that. So let's play the part of Polly's conversation with Lois where you ask her about how she feels when I leave town um, because she definitely gets upset and it's very interesting to hear what Lois has to say about that. And then I said, Mom Julie knows that if you wake up in the morning and Mom Julie is not there, that Mom Darcy sees and I show her being anxious. And um, I said, do you know what I mean? She said, yes, she expects you there. And when you're gone, she thinks she's losing you and she's losing her home. And I said, oh, I said, Mom Julie wants you to know that anytime she or Mom Darcy leave you, that there is, and I create the image of this invisible cord that connects you to her, and that as far, it's like an elastic cord, anywhere it stretches, it's always connected to her, and it always pulls you right back to her. And when I say right back, I mean, it may not be that day, but it's like, there's nowhere else you can go but being pulled back to her. Um, and I said, so mom, Julie wants you to know that you can rest calmly until she comes back or mom, Darcy comes back. I mean, I want her to know that both of you, I, I understand that, you know, this is, seems to be more of an issue when you're gone, but I just want her to know both of you always come back. Um, she said, no, she depends on mom, Ju Julie, and she lost her other person that way. And she said, uh, people came to the house and, um, when Lois went to look for and it was a particular woman, she was gone. And um, she said, she doesn't want that to happen again. And I said, your moms are so sorry that happened. But for them, anytime they leave you, they only leave you in safe places or with safe people. And they always come back to you. She said she's scared when mom Julie isn't there when she goes to look for her in the morning because she thinks that means she's losing her house and her family. And I said, no. I said, these are always your people for your whole life, and this is your territory, and they want you to be able to rest calmly. I show both when you're there and when you're not there because she's always safe and protected. That's her territory. Um, she said she didn't know that, and she gets scared, and then she gets confused, and she thinks she's losing her home. I said, then Mom Darcy will show you, and I show like an image of Mom Julie coming back so that you know, you and, and I... I think this is important just because, again, I think Lois gets confused. Um, so I want her to understand that, you know, that to get as many reminders as possible that, no, no, you're coming back. Um, she said she wants that. So that actually makes a lot of sense. And we had some information from a former neighbor, actually, who knew Lois uh, after she left her first home and was living with... Um, we were told the son of the woman who was her original owner. And we didn't tell Polly this information. So, um, Polly, you said that that Lois had lived with a woman and we sort of f figured that she had probably passed away. And that's why or actually we were told that she had passed away. And that's why Lois then lost her initial home, her longtime home, and then got passed around at least once and then ended up in the shelter. So y what you said, Lois said, and how she felt really lines up with what we sort of put together based off of the bits of information that we had, and we didn't give Polly that information up front. So that's really great and validating to hear that. So that's wonderful. I had a question about death. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I didn't, when I was sending Polly the questions, you know, I think it was the day before, but um, prior to the... No, uh, it was... Uh, oh, I don't know. It doesn't oh, matter. Whatever. <laughs> um, about Lois or, or the kind of the things that I wanted to communicate, I feel like she's... I don't know how long it is, and I've stopped asking because mm -hmm. she's outlived everybody's expectations. But I'm feeling like she's getting close, relatively close to end of life. Right. Um, and I want her to feel free to go. I want her to feel, I don't want her to feel any fear. I want her to know that she can stay with us in spirit as long as she wants to will always be connected and all this, right? Right. But I wasn't sure if, um, you know, is that a sensitive subject with animals or, you know, kind of where are they with that? And and so you gave me kind of some feedback about Lois that she wasn't she wasn't really there. And so, you know, it you sort of talked about it in a way that was maybe um, just touching on the surface, but right. you just didn't really feel like it was... It wasn't time. Time for her to kind of go into it, or they might be like, what are you talking about, you know? Right. So what is, I'm curious about your conversations with animals around end of life. Yeah. So what my, first of all, just like with people, um, you know, there are people that I consider to be old souls. There's a, a woman that I often have, and I've said to her, I think I would be a more enlightened being if I sat by your feet while you did your taxes. I mean, she just, <laughs> you know, she just embodies that wonderful mm -hmm. wisdom and energy. Mm. Um, and there are people that are, you know, happy-go-lucky and really shallow. And, you know, and so you get the whole gamut with animals as well. They're all individuals. Um, but what I find is that, number one, once we're getting really close to the end of their life, if they're physically really uncomfortable, having those kind of conversations is not distressing to them at all. Mm -hmm. um, because now I am saying, basically, I, you know, your people love you and they want to take care of you for as long as you want. Like, my conversations are never about, hey, we're trying to rush you out of your body. I mean, that's... Right. But when you are ready, if you want help, we can help you to transition out of your body and be away from these feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's not usually a scary, and that's not even not usually, that's not a scary situation. Um, but it's more that if they're not ready, it, it almost feels like if somebody were going to say to me, well, Polly, um, what songs, do you want songs at your funeral? Tell me about them. I'm like, I'm not, what are you talking about? Like, I, I got other stuff I'm doing. I'm not planning on dying for a while. So it, it's like I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, but I often find that uh, animals have experienced other other beings, other spirits. And so the idea of being out of their body isn't necessarily one that is scary to them. Um, my bigger thing that I like to convey around those issues is none of us ever says, I want you to go freely and goodbye, have a good time, because we love them. And so there's always this like, oh, I don't want you to go. I love you. But I know, I, you know, there's always a push-pull if you love someone. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I really try to explain is your people can love you and miss seeing you and touching you every day. Mm -hmm. And that whenever you let go, they're going to have this sad feeling. And 
they can understand that your body's worn out and you're ready to let go. Mm-hmm. Because I do see animals, not all animals, but I do see animals that hold on for their people. I was just going to ask you that. Do and, they just hold on because yeah. they're because the people are just so bound up about? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I so I think it's ridiculous to try to say, oh. Julie says she's just fine with this. You just let go because you're going to have sadness. Don't let the door hit you. Yeah. It's like that's not real. And they're going to pick up on that from you anyway. So I think it's better for them to understand both of these things exist. Yeah. The conversation feels so natural. Mm -hmm. So when you're reading back your your sort of translation from talking to the animal, it sounds like very it just sounds really natural and that was what I really connected with when I heard uh one of your sessions um the first one that I heard it was like oh that feels like you're actually doing it right versus because we talked about that skepticism at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the show and I think with any any profession there's people who do better jobs than others or right so there's Maybe people who believe that they're doing it, but are maybe bringing too much of themselves into it. Or maybe there's people who are just scamming. I mean, it's kind of just like anything else, right? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I um, I think one of the things that I have that serves me is because I have my counseling training. A lot, of, not just in terms of thinking about how to ask questions and think about somebody from somebody else's perspective, but to do a lot of questioning of myself to go, hmm, you know, is this you or are you projecting things? Mm-hmm. Um, because I've definitely heard things from people that have gone to other animal communicators that my eyes sort of pop open and I go, oh, there's no way that that, I don't even know your dog. Yeah. That did not come from your dog. Right. That was about that other person. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that in my work. Yeah. Somebody's told to do something and I'm like, oh my gosh, did it work? No. Well, here's why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you can work with people from anywhere. Yes. Uh, so you're local here in Western Washington, but you have talked with people all over the world. I have. And how would people find you? Uh, email, best way, or uh, what's your contact info? So um, you can find my email address, um, although I will just tell you it's PAWS, like Animal Paws, P-A-W-S, at, and then the business name is Tonglen, T-O-N-G-L-E-N, healingarts.com. Um, again, if you just simply Google uh, Polly, P-O-L-L-Y, Klein, K-L-E-I-N, uh, Washington or Issaquah, you'll find my website and you can reach me that way. And you can also reach me through both uh, my Facebook page of Polly Klein and also for my business one, which is Tonglen Healing Arts for Animals. Great. And you have a class coming up in May. I do. And you need no background to come to this class. This is a introductory level class, but it's great fun. I'm at a friend's farm and we're working with dogs and cats and cows and goats and mm. ducks. And it's fun. <laughs> is there a um, just a real quick yes or no? Is there a general difference in feel between dogs and cats? You know, uh, the yes or no. Yes, but it's an individual thing. Right, right. It so always comes back to everybody's so different, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I could talk to you for a few more hours here, but we are out of time. I think I'll probably try to um, uh, post our inner, uh, your talk with Lois so people can listen to it, have sure. a place to listen to it if they'd like to hear the, the whole conversation. 
Uh, we've been talking with Polly Klein of Tonglen Healing Arts. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.